most likely heard about the term artificial intelligence or AI. It's getting a lot of attention. But what does it mean for healthcare? It can understand almost like a human the content in a patient's chart and then bring the things forward. So there's a lot of opportunity to, to take what's really caused burnout or uh, all that massive amounts of info that's just a slog to get through and surface it, give it to the provider so that they can act as a physician taking the important information and making decisions. That's Dr. Tyler Fitch, Director of Medical Informatics and Integration for OSF Healthcare, and I'm Shelley Dankoff, your host for Health Accelerated. On this episode of Health Accelerated, artificial intelligence, or AI, it is increasingly prevalent in business and society, and we are hearing more and more about it when it comes to healthcare. Joining me for our discussion are Dr. Tyler Fitch, the Director of Medical Informatics and Integration for OSF Healthcare, and Dr. Mark Meeker, Vice President for Community Medicine for OSF Healthcare. Before we get started in the AI discussion, a little bit of background for our listeners and viewers. So I'll start with you, Dr. Fitch. Give me the background on how you've got to this point. Yeah, thanks. So uh, I was born here in Peoria and then went to a Southern Illinois University for uh, medical school. During medical school, I really saw that uh, as we transitioned from paper to medical records, that there was a, a lot of things that I would do differently if I designed a medical system. And I had the great uh, privilege of working with Dr. Hall then in residency. I was here in Peoria for residency. And I followed him around on a month-long rotation to see how OSF did things. And it was greatly improved from that initial implementation. But I really get excited about making things easier for physicians and doing that, uh, that work behind the scenes to, to make good care able to take place easier. So now I'm very fortunate to be in the position to have a team of physician builders that does just that in, in our Epic Medical Record. We'll get more to that. First, I want to get Dr. Meeker's background. I'm an internal medicine physician. I uh, started practice back in 1991 in Galesburg and practice out of OSF St. Mary Medical Center. And then over the years, my career has sort of turned to more of a leadership role. I still see patients in Galesburg one day a week, um, but now I'm more in a leadership role the other um, majority of my time. One of the things, and we're going to talk about a pilot we're getting ready to launch to help address this issue in a way, but physician burnout, it has been a huge thing in provider burnout. I was reading some information, you know, that the rate is increasing according to national studies. Some say maybe up to 50%. That seems like a, that's a lot. That's a big number and a big number to be concerned about. Um, the numbers increased during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm guessing that's not surprising to the two of you. And that women are more prone to it than men. Is that some of what you've seen and some of the work you've been doing and looking at? I think there's a lot of pressures on doctors now, and those pressures seem to be increasing. I think medical records, frankly, were a part of all this. You had a situation where people could do whatever they want on paper and nobody read it. Now you have uh, hundreds of people that care about everything that's done. And so the day gets <clears throat> filled up by a lot of things that often have a lot of good results to them, a lot of good, they're very well-meaning. They they produce better patient outcomes when we're, we're thinking about things like alerts in the, in the medical record. Um, but we do know that uh, burnout is, uh, the medical record is a large part of, of that burnout. And a lot of that is because so many things are, are vying for 
for that physician attention. And we have a lot of operational opportunities that I know OSF has, has done um, for physicians and in terms of looking at things like the, the way the, the schedules go, uh, looking at the, I know we, we just internally, we just had a bunch of new AHR changes. Um, and so there's a lot that can be done maybe outside the, the technology, but certainly um, my focus has been on areas because we do see that when we implement, an example is when you implement a new medical record or a new system, you do have a lot of turnover immediately after that. And in surveys, a lot of physicians say the medical record is, is if not the cause of the burnout, it definitely contributes. So we have opportunity in that area, but I'm interested to hear what Mark has across the non-technical. Well, I've lived in both worlds. I mean, if you read about a company like Epic, for example, um, I believe it was started in the late 70s. But I trained in the 80s, and we didn't have an electronic record when I trained. So when I came into practice in 1991, everything was on paper. There was no electronic record at all. Um, and then somewhere, I don't know, mid-late 90s, I think it was, we started getting IDX or something like that in the hospitals in OSF. But I think Tyler's spot on. Hindsight's always 20-20. And unfortunately, when the EHRs were introduced, it was people like me who had no sophistication whatsoever that were having a lot of influence and a lot of resistance to it. And the young guys who really understand this didn't have that big of an impact, but we're, we're trying to change that. So now I, I look towards people like Dr. Fitch to tell me what, what's the best option here, because he's a much more of an expert in, in electronics than I am. Um, so we've come to the realization that this is such a huge opportunity. The EHR has such an opportunity to be so good for us to make our work easier, to make it more complete, to make it more efficient, to make it more connected. You know, we talk about side of care a lot. When I started practice, I saw the patient wherever they were. I mean, if they were home in the office, in the ER, in the hospital, in the nursing home, in the skilled nursing, and hot, it didn't matter where they were, I saw them. But now we have all these different teams, ambulatory teams, inpatient teams, post-acute teams, nursing home teams. So when you have those different teams, the EHR is a key to connecting them and connecting the information so that the patient's journey is smooth. So there's a huge amount of opportunity here. And you mentioned AI early on, and, and you know the, the definition of AI is kind of in the eye of the beholder, in my opinion. But I also think that AI has another opportunity to really help us get doctors back to practicing medicine. A lot of doctors, to, to Dr. Fitch's point, have gone from feeling like they're doctors to they're more documentation people or or you know, to use a real old-fashioned term, secretaries. You know, they're, they're writing everything down instead of doing the work. And we have great opportunity that I think we'll talk about here shortly to, to, to make that better. Is that what you're seeing, too, kind of reflective of what Dr. Meeker is referring to? Because, again, the age difference. You know, he's been practicing for decades, and you have the, the new kids, if you will, coming into this. Whole different way of learning, not only the documentation, but just even providing the care. Are you seeing that in your work? I don't think of myself as old, but I get frustrated with big technology changes <laughs> too. Sometimes it's like you get you get people get into habits, whether it's age related or it's just the way they've done things for a long time. And so even even changes that I help implement sometimes I I, I still practice thirty percent, so I have to eat my cooking, I guess. So I still see it too. Like why did we do that? Or you know, so so there's there's I think there's an inherent resistance to change from uh, from people and the. You know, maybe the amount of time you've done something, certainly I, I would imagine increases that resistance. I can remember when the electronic medical records came on board. I was at St. Francis Medical Center at the time. 
man, I feel like there were a lot of physicians who retired because they would rather retire than switch. Because that was a huge change when the electronic medical record came in initially, where now I think it's, you know, little tweaks and yeah. changes along the way. But boy, it seemed like when it first came on board and then we rolled it out to the different hospitals because it wasn't just all at once. I feel like it was a real pain point in the early days. Well, and there's always two sides to every coin, correct? I mean, I can't imagine not having the information at my fingertips that I now have. But when I started practicing, I didn't have it. But the other thing I didn't have, to the point that Dr. Fitch made earlier, is I didn't have 100 people reading my notes either. But now I do. And there's positives and negatives to everything. You know, I remember I was in an office of an old family doc in northeastern Iowa one time. I went up there to talk to him about some education things that I was working on at the time. And he said, you know, when I started to practice, if somebody wanted to read about my patients, they'd have to drive to northeast Iowa, find my office, break in through it, break through three locks to get the information on my patients. Now some guy sitting in Singapore can get it because it's all electronic. So there's, there's positive negatives to everything. But in my estimation, the maturation we're about to see with some of this AI stuff and, and, and just maturation of the electronic health record itself, I think is going to be a game changer for our docs and get them back to focusing on the patient, focusing on the medical decision-making they need to be focusing on, not focusing on, gee, did I document that? Did I click that? Did I capture that? You know, but just focusing on the medical decision-making and letting the EHR in the background document and snatch all these things that need to be documented while they're focusing on the patient. I, I think it's going to be a game-changer. Let's talk about that pilot. So you've been, we've been building up to this point, and we're getting ready to launch. So first of all, tell me about what it is designed to do and the process to get to this point. Well, um, maybe it's best to set a, a, do a touch a level set about AI in general, because it's not new that we're using AI in, um, in the medical record. We've done things like predictive models for a long period of time where, you know, you can tell if a patient's going to get sepsis or maybe fall out of bed or get readmitted to the hospital. Those kind of things have been around, and we have a great data analytics department that helps even make internal AI models that is trained on uh, data and then can predict an outcome uh, to come. What's new, and I think everybody's talked about in the last year, is is uh, this generative AI. Uh, and that's where the system can really act more like a, a very fast human at taking large amounts of data, synthesizing it, and then creating an output for it. And so, you know, what, what Dr. Meeker was just talking about with the, uh, that there's the, the huge continuum from having to uh, drive to Iowa to get it to anybody can have access to it. Well, that, what's happened is there's so much data, it's very hard to find the pearls, the things that really do make a difference in the clinical decision-making. And so that just happens to be what this generative AI is really good at. It can understand almost like a human what, uh, the content in a patient's chart and then bring the things forward. So there's a lot of opportunity to, t to take what's really caused burnout or uh, all that massive amounts of info that's just a slog to get through and surface it, give it to the provider so that they can act as a physician taking the important information and making decisions. So um, there's the, the two areas that uh, AI is very clearly good at. One is the taking a, a large amounts of data and summarizing it into meaningful content, and it could be for a, a, at the level of a nurse, a physician, a subspecialist, it, whatever content is needed, the AI can understand who that is. And then the other area that it seems to be very good at, and this goes to the initial pilot we're doing, is taking maybe conversational data or um, data around uh, 
from a specific encounter and synthesizing it into the content of a physician note. So uh, Microsoft is a co, I don't, don't exactly know the business relationship, but they're a very large investor into OpenAI who uh, created ChatGPT and GPT-4, and they have a very close working relationship. Microsoft also owns the, the uh, leading company in uh, text-to-speech recognition uh, or nuance. And so those companies get together and they're using the, the power of uh, generative AI in, in GPT-4 and then they're taking their medical terminology database and they're allowing the ability to, and then uh, in Epic, in our medical record, they're allowing the ability to take a conversation like we're having now, just with an ambient listening device like an Alexa or something like that, listen to the conversation, and at the end of the conversation, if I as a physician explained uh, what, what we, our plan was, and I verbalized our physical exam findings, it would have a complete physician note in about 10 to 15 seconds after the encounter, which is just, I mean, for all the <laughs> physicians out there, people who know, I, I think we spend hours a day doing notes. We spend 40% um, of our time doing tasks that we've identified that AI can automate. So 40% of your time, if, you've, if you think about access issues, it's so hard to find a physician or get into your physician, if they had a couple hours a day for extra appointments, I, I think everybody would be as excited as doctors are about the, the possibility of that. So we're going to be launching a program next month uh, for a, a smaller group of users, identify really like how do patients feel about having this listening device in the room? Uh, how do doctors feel about using it? How, how good's the content? From the demos we've seen, it looks really, really good. Um, the, the physicians spend all this time and sometimes their note quality isn't exactly like we'd, we'd want it to be because they're, they're so pressed for so many things. So it has a potential for increasing the quality of notes. It, it's um, likely that after the, the conversation, the, you know, we have open notes at, at OSF so that patients can read the content that doctors write about them. The doctors confirm all this. This doesn't go just directly into the chart, but they'd confirm the, the note content. And if it looks uh, good to the doctor and they can add or edit or update things, the, hopefully there's a, a decreased time uh, and uh, that burnout really, again, 40% of their time doing things like notes or in-basket messages that we could really cut, cut back and hopefully <coughs> alleviate some of that burnout. So really exciting really exciting pilot as one of the, you know, I've been, been in the IT world for um, uh, eight years now uh, in the, in a, this role or a similar one. And this is the thing I'm most excited about because I really think it's going to make an impact. So February, we start February. this, I just to clarify. Yep. So February. That's right. So Next honestly, month. this sounds like, and I'm going to come to you because back in the old days, it's like, it's like dictation. Back in the old days, a, a doctor could sit there and dictate, and, this, and a medical transcriptionist would transcribe it. So this is kind of filling that role, it sounds like, a little bit? Oh, I mean, I would emphasize from a clinical standpoint, I'd emphasize two things that, that Dr. Fitch mentioned. One, back when I was on paper, I didn't have any information unless I went looking for it. So the pendulum's way over here. And then we get these EHRs, and I want the pendulum's clear over here. I have more information I know what to do with, because I'm just flooded with all this electronic information. So it's kind of like the old AM radios with the static. You know, you drive under a power line, you can't hear the signal because of all the noise. And sometimes in medicine, we have so much noise on the information we're getting, we, we, we have a hard time identifying the signal. So, so that's one thing that he touched on, I think is gonna be critically important. And the other one is the real-time documentation. I mean, if I see 10 patients on Tuesday afternoon and I don't do any of the notes until I'm all done with them, now I have to think back and remember, oh, what did Shelley say? Shelley was the first patient I saw, what did she say? Did she say it this way or did she say it that way? 
And there's inherently going to be some inaccuracies in there because I'm trying to remember what we talked about four hours ago and then writing it all down. Or with this real-time documentation, I mean, I, I was on the demo that we did, and I got to play the patient. And you know me, Shelly, I like to throw people a curveball here and there. So, so, and I saw the demo yeah. you did, too. So, yes. So I, right. I, I tried to throw out a couple of curveballs, and it, it cut it out of the documentation. It didn't put it in there. And it, it was just incredible. I mean, I was really impressed. So I have, I have high hopes. Yeah, it filtered out the stuff that was just sidebar conversations, exactly. if you will. Things that weren't relevant to the diagnosis or anything. It was just, right. like you said, the curveballs you were throwing just to see if you could throw it off. And the other thing I found interesting was you weren't in the room necessarily. You were kind of doing it telemedicine yeah, we in were. a way. So it was, you didn't necessarily have to be in the space, which I also think is another great game changer where you could be what, however you're coming into that interaction to have that discussion. Well, when it's, when it's artificial, quote unquote, the machine can be anywhere, right? Right. It's not like a transcriptionist either has to have a tape that you made. Back when I dictated back in the day on paper, a transcriptionist, a human being, then typed out what I dictated on the tape. But they had to be in the building because I had to get them to tape to transcribe it. I mean, this, this electronic is a whole different world. And, and so, yeah, plus you can, you can, you can leverage resources because you can have one system serving the whole ministry instead of somebody at each office. So it, it's, it's a different world than, than it was you know, 20 years ago. And, and one of the things to your point earlier about people that may have be less savvy with technology, the nice thing about this is that you know, if you're not a good typist, you can't do something comfortably and type and talk to your patient at nice. the same time. So you're, you're stacking things up. And this allows really a natural conversation. And so you're spending less time looking at the computer because you know that's going to be done. So if, if, you're, if you've got hours of notes, and we have some physicians working till 10 o'clock at night, midnight, to get their notes done for a day. It's, it's really awful. And um, if, you, if you're slower at typing, you can really get back to focusing on the patient and hopefully be more present in the conversation. So this is one of those areas where I really hope the technology brings us, brings us kind of where the pendulum is swung on that, brings us back to, to something more natural. Because you can see the data. That's the other thing I remember from your presentation about yeah. this. You, you could see how long people were working and taking their time to dictate these notes in the old world. You know, here I'm typing, here I'm doing this. But just the talk to text, I think that's the other thing, because sometimes I've tried different talk to text ones, and some of them are really good, and some of them are really awful, and you have to clean it up a lot. This one seems, like you said, really good at picking up the nuances and getting things in there accurately the first time around. Yeah, I mean, my experience with this so far has been that, yeah, the accuracy has gone up quite a bit. I mean, some of the first, you know, voice recognition tech technology we've used, it would, I'd be like, I did not say that. I don't care what the secret. That's not what I said. But I couldn't read it as I was dictating because it, it, it messed me up. I'd have to look away and, and dictate a paragraph and stop and look at it and fix it. Because if I watched it while I was talking, I, I just, I don't know. I, just, I couldn't do it. So, so the more accurate these systems get, and I think that's what AI does, you correct me if I'm wrong, kind of in the background, is from learning, it knows what sentence might make sense and what sentence doesn't. So it's not going to spit out something that doesn't make any That's sense. That's exactly right? it. That's yeah. what's different now. Now it has a sort of, I guess, an understanding. It understands yeah. what you meant to say. So, uh, you know, I kind of have a mumbly voice, which is great for podcasts, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but my mumbly voice is bad for dictation, too. Um, and so the, the fact that I can mumble through a couple of words and, like, you know what I'm saying because you have the context to the sentence, whereas a, a speech-to-text would just 
pick up the sounds and try to come up with the word closest to those right. mumbles. So it's really the understanding layer that adds to this. And then, um, and then it puts it through another level of interpretation and, and saying like, what is important? What should I be writing in a note? So, you know, if you mumble through a, a, a section about, you know, I think you joked about, you know, wife's brownies or something. There was some conversation in there that doesn't need to be in the physician's note. If you mumble through that, it, it knows the words and it knows they're not important to the context. So it really, it really surfaces the, the appropriate, uh, appropriate content and does a lot better job. And it understands if there's multiple people or multiple voices in the room. So if there's people chiming up about, about something, and we didn't get to do that in the demo, but that's part of the, uh, part of the thing we're looking at in the pilot. We want to see how well does this work in practice. Um, from the demos, absolutely fantastic. And then to your other uh, point about the kind of we're seeing the physician data in the background, that's really that the pilot group, we're really looking at are we actually making a difference in the amount of time physicians are spending? Because a new tool for its own sake, especially an expensive one, is not something we're going to be doing. So we want to make sure that it actually makes a difference in, in people's lives. And, and we are going to be monitoring that, that data and, and in addition to opinion surveys. Just one point of clarity, I was complimenting my wife's brownies. I wasn't credible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't get him in the trouble. The wrong word. <laughs> so, so AI would have filtered that out. We, I get the benefit this will have for physicians and all providers. This is going to be fantastic. What do you say to patients when, okay, I'm going to plunk this device in here, and we're going to record this conversation, and they may be, uh, what? So what is the benefit for patients to be doing this? Well, I, the, the big benefit is getting back to transitions of care is accurate information. And that's the huge benefit because if a patient of mine shows up in an ED or a prompt care or an on-call clinic or wherever, the providers there, the clinicians there need accurate information. So the more accurate the information, the better. So, I mean, one idea I have in my head and I have to learn this as I go would be to say, if I come in to see you and I have this, I'm gonna say, Shell, I'm gonna record this so I can have accurate documentation of our conversation, is that okay? That's yeah. probably the way I'd put it. Um, until I figure out something better. And I like, I like adding to that too, and, and so that I can be present in our conversation and not have to be right. typing away as we talk. So, you know, that it's, I think that's going to be part of it. We're going to have some, some uh, suggested scripting, something very similar to what we just talked about to kind of introduce the idea that there's this third person in the room. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll kind of, we'll get patient experience uh, gauge as well, because that is obviously why we're doing everything. And if we're not actually providing a better service that, that people can um, uh, get on board with, then we need to think about how we're doing it. And, and the other fact of the matter from, again, you correct me if I'm wrong, but from my perspective, this doesn't add a, a smidgen of a layer to, to any kind of risk of privacy because it's in the EHR anyway. It's the same EHR. This is just a different tool within the EHR. So as far as privacy concerns are, are, this doesn't add any risk to that whatsoever because it's still within the EHR. Okay, so it, patients can accurate. rest assured. And, and the patients yeah. can read yeah. the, the output of the conversation. And just like today, if a physician said something and the uh, patient wants to mention that, hey, that's not the way our conversation went, in the note for the, for the legal medical record, it can be addended. And just it's, it's really a signed note like, like any other note. I mean, that can happen now. We have what we call open notes. Mm -hmm. right. Patients can see their notes. And, and I've got a couple, not many, but I've had a couple patients contact me and say, hey, you said this. That's not what I meant. You know, and, and, but I think that the accuracy of that will improve with this. Because, again, I was writing a note from my memory. It might have been five minutes after the encounter or an hour after the encounter, but it wasn't real time. Because I don't type my notes when I'm seeing a patient because I won't do that to them. It would be way too distracting. Because I, 
I should have paid more attention in seventh grade typing, I guess, because I'm not that good at it. So I don't do it in front of the patient. I do it afterwards. And I've had it both ways. I've had physicians who've done it, and I don't like when they're doing it. Because you're right, I want to be talking to you. I want to be having this conversation. So I would think that would be a huge benefit to document what is really being said, because that doesn't seem very fair to physicians to have to remember, like you said, four or five hours later, okay, wait, what did they say? What, you know, that's hard. So how long does this pilot last? How, how, what is a typical run of course until we expand this further? We're looking at about three months initially. So the, the goal is to, I think it'd probably take a week or two to really get everybody comfortable on the system. Um, and then about midway through, we're gonna take a survey midway through to see if we can do things like increase patient access by opening up additional appointment times. Because there's been some, uh, the way we're doing our pilot is really, I don't know that anybody is full live uh, in the country actually on this. We're really early on having the full Epic integration, which means you don't have to have a second app. You don't have to open kind of two health records in one. But the people that have done it that way, where you have a have a, an application that's kind of side-loaded and, and transfer over, they can they save six to 10 minutes in encounter and they can add, uh, potentially even add patients to their schedule. So that would be a huge success if we could, if we could get people seeing more patients because that, that's what they want to be doing. They don't want to be spending their time typing. They want to see and help people. Interestingly, you know, usually when we ask for clinics to volunteer to be a part of a pilot, 80% of them run for the hills. But <laughs> <clears throat> this pilot, there's no, there's no shortage of people wanting to be on, in on this because everybody yeah. wants this to be successful. Yeah, yeah. That's, so that's another exciting thing, too, because you're right. Pilots aren't always the people's favorites, so that's good. Okay, so OSF Healthcare prides itself on transforming healthcare, being out there, being the leader. You kind of have alluded to this, that we're early on in this adoption. How do you see this transforming healthcare moving forward? There's going to be kind of phases to the way to what the way AI kind of rolls out. So this is in that presentation you saw in the data on how physicians use their time. I, I already mentioned 40 percent of the time is is doing things that we've identified that AI could potentially do. So I think that's on the on the just if we take healthcare as it looks today, that's really what we're we're trying to take a chunk out of. And I think we'll be able to do that over the next year or two years. I think we'll really cut down that 40%. I think we'll we'll have more sophisticated ways for getting the notes in. I think we'll have uh, physicians spend a lot of time in chart review, waiting through all the, the noise for the signal. Uh, and I think we're gonna really be able to start introducing ways that that is, is cut down uh, over the next year or two. And that, that'll immediately lead to, to more access. It'll uh, lead to better communication between different uh, healthcare providers hopefully better outcomes in, in that area. And then after that, um, I think it's, there, there's a little bit more inherent risk in things like providing decision support to physicians, so helping physicians diagnose things, helping uh, physicians maybe even during a conversation, things like maybe you should have asked about this question or that question, things that maybe are a little bit more invasive into the conversation or invasive into the thought process. Really, we're doing more descriptive things initially, but uh, depending on how stuff goes, I mean, this could, this could lead to better and faster diagnoses in the future, things like that. But that's not within scope for this pilot, but that's the, that's the exciting promise of AI because it can take all the content of a medical journal and apply it to your patient and tell you, hey, this journal says this about this patient. And it can do that in real time. Really exciting stuff in the future that we're keeping an eye on. But this is, I think this is a great entry point to introduce it, see how it works, see how it goes. It, it'll in a really lower risk, to, to your point earlier. Yeah, and area. I think the other thing that we don't talk about very much is you know, again, when I, when I was in medical school and residency back in the 80s, 
there was a limited amount of information. There was a limited amount of diagnostics, a limited amount of therapeutic options. I mean, you had a handful of hypertension meds, literally. Now there's buckets of hypertension meds. Uh, there's all kinds of new diagnostics. There's treatment regimens for diseases that we didn't have treatment for, you know, 40 years ago. So to take all that information and keep it all up here is literally impossible. So we're working on other types of electronic tools to help get those protocols and that information and decision support right at the fingertips of the clinician. So if I'm in a room with a patient and they have heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, to get those diagnostics and those therapeutic options right at my fingertips. So I don't have to go out to a different app or a different portal or someplace and say, now what are those four drug regimens I'm supposed to have them on? It's all right there at our fingertips. So I think in the next couple of years, we're gonna see tremendous advances in making the work life of the physician and the APP easier. It'll be easier for them to get their work done because they'll have more organized information and useful information at their fingertips and they'll have signals to look at instead of all this noise to filter through. I, I think it, I, I, I'm really excited about the work that Dr. Fitch and his teams are doing because I, I think they're, they truly are going to be game changers, in my opinion. So what I hear both of you saying is I should schedule a follow-up podcast with you about six to nine months from now to see where this pilot has gone, where we're at, and what lies ahead. Probably every six months for okay. the next few years. Yeah, because so, this, this is a big deal. The pace of change is unreal. Yeah, it's just okay. it, and and I, there are probably things that we don't even know about yet. Yeah, that are going to come out in the next year or two that we're going to go, wow, look at this, you know, that we haven't even thought of. So. Absolutely, I really am looking forward to getting that data, though. I'm that's that's my basically my number one priority right now is helping physicians to to make their lives easier, and I cannot wait to see some of those charts we saw that just really make you sad thinking of people working at midnight every day for uh, all week you know if I can get that to come down I'd really be happy about it well I'm excited six months from now we're going to do a follow-up on this and I can't wait to see where we're at because I agree with you I think this will this will be a game changer and it'll be great for everybody all around Dr. Tyler Fish Dr. Mark Meeker Thank you so much for this uh, starting point for our look at artificial intelligence and how it will help us moving forward. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Health Accelerated brought to you by OSF Healthcare. Listen and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can also find links to any of our episodes at osfinnovation.org slash healthaccelerated.